Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. How we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. Public speaking is the number one fear in the world. I started a business during the recession in 2009 here in the U.S. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. I mentor people with master's degrees, with PhDs, and I help people who have been in business for a long time. I had deal with, with a nutrition store maybe a half mile away from my facility, and we, we cross promote. You know, we help out to give our clients what they need. That's where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point. Right, happy Wednesday, everyone. Hump day. Here we are. This is Rob Foster with Shut Up and Grind, episode number 48. And so you guys know with this show, we show you how to step into your greatness because we all have it. It's all inside of us. And I'm not saying this to be cocky, but like just an overwhelming sense of just gratitude comes over me every time I watch that intro video and just look at the things that I've been able to, to accomplish, but more importantly, just the amount of people I've been able to reach in such a short amount of time. So like this podcast has been listened to in 16 countries right now. I just got asked last night to speak to, to get interviewed on a radio station that has a viewership of 8 million people, like in less than a year, it's absolutely mind boggling. The things that we can do when we step into our power and part of that power is your intuition. And sometimes your intuition is trying to guide you, but as human beings, it can kind of lead us into the unknown and we tend to step away out of fear. And so to better have this conversation, I brought in someone and after making a series of bad decisions with one leading to a friend of his being shot and killed, Sunil Godsey spent thousands of hours on research and interviews to find out that the reason we waste time making bad decisions is because we ignore our intuition, a subconscious phenomenon that we are all born with 
that helps us make the right decisions at the right time in any situation that we find ourselves in. So you guys know I usually jazz up the introductions, but this was you know a serious topic and a serious thing that he went through. So I wanted to keep the introduction serious. So welcome to the show, Sunil Gadsi. Thank welcome, you for sir. inviting me. Thank you, thank you so much. Really excited to be here and hopefully to drop some knowledge bombs to help people stop wasting time in their lives with bad decisions where they can simply trust their intuition to make the right one every single time. Absolutely. So first, I just I just want to say, you know, you definitely had a stroke of luck because like I'm booking into June, but someone happened to cancel. Yeah, I love and it. You, and you were able to slide right in. I <laughs> so, love it. I love it. That was meant to be. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely meant to be. All right. So before we dive into the intuition part, let's, you know, just tell us a little bit about about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm I'm a founder and a CEO of Intuitionology or Intuitionology.com. Uh, born in Winnipeg, Alberta, uh, in Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba, Canada. Okay. Probably one one of the coldest places <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the earth. Uh, and just grew up there, and and sort of uh, we'll get into sort of the career a bit uh, when it comes to the intuition. But uh, former engineer, yeah. MBA, um, and now doing this. Uh, you know, after uh, really kind of reflecting on when intuitions kind of played a role in my life, both listening to it and ignoring it. Um, and I really I, I really dug deep into finding out what what is this thing called intuition and, and why do we ignore it? Uh, which is so powerful when we, in, in trusting it, it always leads us to the right path. And when we ignore it, it, it doesn't. And so I really need to find out why. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely spend this, this next 55 minutes picking that apart. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, all right. So you're from Canada, huh? I am. So we've got, uh, we had actually a blizzard, a bit of a snowstorm uh, a couple of days ago and the buses were canceled. So the, the girls, uh, both uh, nine and 14 stayed home yesterday. Um, okay. And then now it's, it's, it's sort of, uh, now we're getting a bit of sun. So it's melting that snow out. <laughs> yeah, we're dealing with some snow here too. Okay. We, we actually have some snow coming tomorrow, but I think I'm going to beat it because my daughter and I are going down to Florida. Nice. And I think, think our flight leaves like a couple hours before it's supposed to get bad. So oh, nice. Little, Very nice. Little, little stroke of uh, fortune for us too. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Absolutely. All right. So just give us some, some of your backstory. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, the reason why I really kind of wanted to look at uh, intuition was really came back, it, it came from my first book called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. And so when I wrote, wrote that book, the premise of that book was really about if you learn the lessons from those who have failed specifically in business or entrepreneurship, because I was a management consultant at that time, way back in, in 06 and all that. Um, yep. If you learn the lessons from others and you don't repeat them, then you shouldn't fail. You should be able to succeed faster. That was the premise of the book. And so when I started speaking on stages um, all over the world, one of the questions that I kept getting from entrepreneurs is, okay, Sunil, tell me the one thing that's going to uh, get me to succeed. So at that time, I kind of rolled my eyes and said, okay, listen, this is a book of 400 pages. It's not a, this is not a PDF. If it was one thing, I could put a PDF out and give it to you. And then I wouldn't be here on stages, you know, sell, uh, you know telling you all these stories uh, until I went back to the audio recordings. And when I went back to the audio recordings, what was really interesting is that 80 to 90% of these executives or entrepreneurs use some form of, I should have known what I did. I should have trusted my guts. I should have trusted my intuition. I knew what the right decision was. So these was, this was the language around this thing called intuition. And I said, huh, that's really interesting. So there's like a lot of people in these executives are talking about this thing called intuition. So kind of what is it? And so when I reflected back to my life, I distinctly remember at five years old thinking uh, that, so there were some video games that my dad, uh, that I wanted to buy. My dad was saying, uh, they're too expensive. 
And I distinctly remember this voice saying, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And I did. And I took my little brother in tow and we raised $200, $100 went to my dad and the other $100 went to charity because that's, I, that really made me feel, felt, feel good. That's and awesome. I'm thinking, wow, that's at five years old. Uh, you know, perhaps I, I'm born with intuition. I mean, how does it know now reflecting back? And then when I look at the times when I ignored my intuition, three distinct uh, things come up. Uh, so for those watching, obviously, I'm a, a South uh, Southeastern or, or, or East Indian male. And so there's four careers that you have as an East Indian male. Typically, it's doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. And that's it. Mm. And, and so I picked door number three, which was engineering. My dad was an engineer. Um, and it was just not what I wanted to do. I was meant to be the entrepreneur. And every little breadcrumb I had leading up to that had some kind of entrepreneurial quality in it. Okay. Uh, and so I ignored that, fell uh, fell prey to what we call the societal norms, and I became the engineer uh, and really didn't like it. And two years into that career, I got a chance to be a private investor with a, a Mexican restaurant chain that came up to Canada. Yeah. And pretty soon I was making five times more in dividends as a private investor than I was as yeah, a full-time engineer. And wow. so in year number three, I just said, I got to quit. I mean, this, this right, me, I was, let me stop you. Right. Let me yeah, stop absolutely. You right All right. I wrote it down too. So private investigator was where, yeah. where we private, left. Private investor. Yeah. Oh, oh investor. That's right. Not, in not private investor. Yeah. Sorry. Investor. All right. So we'll get back to that because yeah. what, what you just said is, is powerful. Cause a lot of people, myself included fall into that trap of where you kind of know what you want to do. Yep. Like growing up, I knew I wanted to do something in the health sports field, whether an athletic trainer or whether like a gym owner, I knew I wanted to do something. And almost along the same lines, my dad was also an engineer. Right. And he was, now granted, he wasn't wrong because he said, you want to get into computer engineering. This was back in 1992 when okay. computers were, you know, Gateway was just starting to come out and all yep. that the Intel processor. So he, he definitely wasn't wrong. Like he saw that that industry is going to boom. Yep. He's like, he's like, you want to get into computer engineering. And so like, so I gave in, I, I enrolled for it, but then I was also in track and field and I ended up injuring myself in track mm. and I couldn't compete. And then now I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be in this engineering program, you know? So I ended up just dropping out of school. And then what are we told? If you don't have a college degree, you're going to end up flipping burgers at McDonald's, right? right? So, right. you know, I, I ended up stay, but I ended up working in a restaurant, but I ended up climbing the ladder up to management. But that's where I learned how to hire, how to fire, you know, how to do sales forecasts, income statements, P and L's. So, like, I, I was learning hand, hands on, you know, school of hard knock style. But now we fast forward, and I opened up a gym, a fitness center. And I'm a speaker and a podcast host now. That's Everything excellent. I wanted to do, I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to be in fitness. So just sometimes it does come full circle. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And that's what happens when you, when you kind of listen to those signals. And, and, and we'll talk about signals and there's specific characteristics of these signals. But when you listen to your intuition, what happens is these doors of opportunity start to open up. And then you just have to open it. Right. And we talked a little bit about fear. Uh, you talked about fear a little bit earlier, and we'll get into why the, the fear comes in and why you should actually trust that fear from two perspectives. I'll give you a scientific one uh, and one from an intuitive perspective. I think it will really kind of open your the eyes to those watching and listening. Um, uh, but yeah, that was the, the first uh, the first thing that happened to me. And when I when I actually trusted my intuition to go into entrepreneurship full time, uh, 
uh, not only I, so the, the, the bad thing that happened was I sacrificed, uh, my relationship with my dad. That was a necessary thing that had to happen. It was emotionally really, really turmoil, a, a bit of turmoil for me because I was close to him. But when I was started running a number of businesses, you know, three, four five businesses, $20 million in revenues, I loved it. Like it was just, it was what I was meant to do. Yes. It was what I was meant to be. Uh, and so and then I ended up becoming a management consultant and there was this huge, um, contract down in Silicon Valley, a lot of money that was being thrown at me. But what was pr the problem was that there were these contract terms that kept changing. So every time I got the contract back, there was something that was changing. And now this something was telling me, Sunil, you better back off. There's something, there's something fishy here. Yet I ignored that something then. And I went, I said, no, the, the money's great. This is going to be a great opportunity. I'm going to be going to skip Silicon Valley. Um, and I went all the way down there and the company didn't pay me. And I came back to Canada with 20, 23 cents in my bank account. Oh, wow. um, yeah, it was, it was just dead broke. Uh, and so I had to rebuild all that. I was about to be married in a couple of years. My wife luckily was in India. So she's phoning me as I'm driving up to, uh, back to Canada. She goes, how's it going? And I'm thinking, great. I, I'm telling you, excellent. But I don't even know where I'm going to be sleeping that night. Mm -hmm. So, and then the third one you, you alluded to uh, a bit of my bio is there was, uh, so when I was in engineering, I was doing some personal coaching at the time. And a friend of mine reached out to me. She was being stalked at the time. And so she really needs some advice to uh, get rid of this guy. And so again, this something was telling me to meet with her that afternoon. I didn't have anything uh, planned. It was, it was completely open, but for some reason I ignored what I called this something. Uh, and I said, let's meet a couple of days later. And that same guy that very next day actually walked up to her to a bus shelter and put a bullet through her forehead Wow! and killed her instantly. Oh and God. so now I'm thinking, Oh my Lord, like I really, got to figure this thing out because now I've looked at the things that have happened when I've ignored my intuition. And so I, I started to focus on these some things that there are some things that I followed and some things I didn't. And so there's kind of like signals. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's really interesting that I remember there's an intuitive channeler that was in my social media sort of contact sphere who yeah. talked about signals and intuition. And so let me go to her and get, get an interview from her to see what she thought. Yeah. And to see if there's any way that I can define it. Because I'm thinking, okay, how do I see this? Uh, and if you look at the time that I was doing this research, at that time, it was like meditation, voices from God, uh, spirituality, uh, manifestation. And so, and there's nothing wrong with those definitions. Yeah. But it didn't resonate with me. Okay. And so, uh, and, and so I went online, looked at some online dictionaries. Still, I just, it just didn't resonate with me. So I'm going, I'm going to this intuitive channeler and I asked her about intuition. All right. Let me, let me, let me stop yep. you again. Stop. Yeah. But no just problem. Cause I don't, I don't want to just gloss over what happened to your friend because this was yeah. a big, this was a big thing that pushed you oh, into huge. this direction. So, so when you first got word of what happened, what were your initial thoughts? So my initial thoughts were to really kind of look at the people around her uh, and, see because they were we had some common friends uh, yeah. and to reach out to them to make sure that they were okay and that was my first thing is call them all to make sure that they were okay before i even looked at myself yeah. and then when i looked at what i what had happened to me i just like i was reflecting because i remembered when you know i didn't find out until later in the second day i was actually waiting for her outside her of her apartment yes 
And I was thinking, this is on, this is not her. She's always on time. This is the first time. It's, and then I'm thinking, what are the possibilities? Did she get late? She, uh, you know, maybe she couldn't phone me. Um, all these things are going in. Yeah. Uh, and then it was until a little bit later that one of my friends called me and said, Sunil, did you hear the news about uh, this, the, about Terrell? And I said, no, what happened? And she goes, well, she was killed. Mm. And I said, oh, my God. Uh, and so that's when I reached out to these other people that I knew. And then I just sat in my car and I was just like, my mind was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, what did if, you, did you feel responsible? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely felt responsible because, uh, well, so I know that she was, she was killed, but I didn't know why or yeah. how. And it, it was until when, when the news came out that the same, the same stalker, and I knew him from before, I'd actually met him. Uh, yeah, that even drove a deeper wound because I warned him about, uh, about her, about him yeah. before. And the, again, that, that when I, when I saw him, met him, the, those vibes that were coming is like, this guy's bad news. Mm. Uh, and so that was going through my head and what could I have done and why, what, what were these some things? But at that time I didn't focus on these some things. Like, it's like, it was more like, why didn't I? Yeah. Right. And so those were the questions that were going in. And it wasn't until I reflected back to say, wow, you know, there was something powerful that now I'm tying everything together yeah. with other experiences that, that, that were telling me these signals that were telling me what the right thing was. And that led me to start really diving into the definition and reaching out to this intuitive channeler to really find, okay, what is it? And if I can find a definition, then there's got to be a definition for others because I couldn't find one online that was common. Yeah. And so when I, when I sat down with her, she talked about the signals and what she was talking about was that there was little, there was like no research in it and our belief system uh, is just not there and it was energetic in nature. And so now, having an energetic property really kind of resonated with me because back in engineering, I remember like things like steel has a mass and it has wave-like or energetic like properties. Yeah. So that kind of resonated with me. But then she was saying, well, how come, like she says, the research just hasn't caught, caught up. And I'm thinking like, why? Uh, I mean, this, if this is happening to me, it's gotta be happening to others. And so I thought, okay, who else do I know that can maybe shed some light on, on some research? And so I had this neuroscientist, Dr. Michelle Rathbone, who was also in my in my circle of contacts. And I said, uh, you know, I'd like to interview you. Um, would you mind doing an interview? And he said, sure. And so we, I go to the hospital that he's working at. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not expecting much because I'm just trying to get his, yeah, maybe there's some research, something like that, uh, you know, just to give me some opportunity to see, okay, where can I point to? Um, so I turn on the camera, I ask him, does intuition exist? And the first thing he says, it absolutely exists. Uh, in fact, he uses it for his patients. He goes into a scientific explanation of how the neurons go to the gut. Um, and he, the other thing he was saying is, is more and more neuroscience research is showing that intuition happens a lot earlier than we are consciously aware of it. And so I'm going away saying, wow, I'm blown away by this interview. Now, where do I find the research? And so I go to an academic database and I start typing intuition. I hit enter, not knowing what to expect. And thousands and thousands of articles on intuition. And let me bring up some of the key pieces that really, really resonated with me. One was that your intuition hits what we call the amygdala. The amygdala is the primitive part of your brain. It, all it knows is fight or flight. All it knows is single things. Uh, think, trust, do, go. That's it. 
And in fact, there's no language around it. And so now there's, that's why I couldn't find a definition is because if intuition hits the primitive part of our brain, we all put our own unique spin to it. We all put our own language to yeah, it. Yeah, we do. Right. And so we can talk about the same thing. People talk about gut feeling, hearing the voice, uh, and I'll talk about some really unique ones coming up here. But um, that's why we all have that, that thing called intuition that we feel our way through life. But we all want to describe it in our own way, which is perfect. And that's why this, this voices from God and all that stuff. I respect those definitions, but they weren't ones that I embraced. Yeah. So that was one. Then with me having thinking that in, you were kind of born with intuition, there was research that showed that infants as young as two months old had shown intuitive capabilities. It was, it was this paper called it intuitive physics. Okay. Can, can I share some, something real, real quick? Yeah, yeah, for sure. In my, in my speeches, I start with a slide and that the slide says every child born will naturally become who they were meant to be. Yes. If they don't get interference from other people. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You're bang on bang on. And the problem is uh, we start getting interfered with by societal norms, by people's who intentions aren't there. We, we don't filter start our relationships. Parents. Start from parents. Yes. <laughs> if yes. the parents don't have, I don't want to say the right belief system because people can believe what they want to believe, but yeah, but like if, if they're from a, a place of scarcity, that child's going to grow up in a place of scarcity. Yeah. And a lot of times they're doing it for safety. I'm sure my dad was following sort of the East Indian Kool-Aid and the, and the, mm -hmm. and the, the safety part of it. And I, yeah. I kind of respect that. But he never once asked what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody really goes to and, – and for me, at least my kids are lucky that – I guess I'm not sure it's lucky. But because I talk about intuition all the time, yeah. uh, they kind of grow up knowing these signals and what do they want and not to bend to other people's wants and even ours. We yeah. can give suggestions to them, but ultimately they lead their own path. Yes. And so they're lucky, I guess, in that if you're, if you're kind of comparing them to the norm – Mm -hmm. then they're different. And so if you look at the, the paintings behind me, uh, so that's my daughter. She, so she's 14. She's, she's a, uh, an artist. Uh, and so she actually runs a federal Canadian nonprofit business. Nice. She's raised over $30,000 in about a year and a half, all because her purpose is to help those with disabilities and illnesses. But that's driven by her intuition, her yeah. intuition to help those with disabilities express themselves through art. That's the purpose driven by her intuition. And, and, and she's doing much better than some entrepreneurs already at, at you know, 12 or 13. And now she's 14. Uh, and then she came up with a care package. She says, Dad, there's a pandemic. Let's do a care package. I say, okay, yeah, that's a great idea. So awesome. that's what happens when you give these, your kids these tools to really kind of be creative and be themselves. And they can change the world. They can, yeah, or they can just change one person's them. life, right? Yeah. Yeah, because too many times I I see it. You know, kids have talent, they have abilities, and yeah. they get they get stuffed into a box. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like let them let them blossom. Absolutely, uh, and and so it, so now I've got this this research. I've got the amygdala. I've got this primitive part of the brain, um, and then the other thing that Dr. Rathbone was saying was that uh, it's it happens much earlier than we're consciously aware of it. And so there was this research that was done, and these are all like brain scans and things like that as well. Research showed that your intuition actually acts seven to ten seconds on average before you actually take a decision or, or, or take an action. Mm. Seven to 10 seconds, your intuition already knows what decision is. It's just within those seven or 10 seconds, we screw it up, right? So <laughs> now we have, the, I've got the art and I've got the science. And now I have a definition that makes sense to me. 
Yes. So now I'm thinking, okay, let's take a look at these signals. And so the, one of the characteristics of these signals is that they're both positive and negative. And so if you look at positive signals, positive signals are the ones that tell you what the right decision is to make. So that voice that I had in my head. Um, and so other signals that I have are like the dots connecting, a sense of flow. And I've even had one CEO. Uh, he's now moved on to another, uh, it's a sort of a, an online clothing uh, thing. But he sees this omen that comes up on his right shoulder. No shape, no color. But whatever he's doing, if he's hiring someone, if he's bringing in a partner, or working with a vendor, and this omen pops up, then he, he just says yes to whatever's happening. That's his positive signal. I have a singer-songwriter that sees an orb, an actual floating orb. So again, specific experiences, specific signals, our own definitions. So this is where it's really, really unique. Um, and then there's also negative signals. And so the thing with negative signals is that it actually, they actually start very subtle in nature. And these are the ones that we miss. So if you listen to Oprah, she calls it a whisper. And it's these whispers that we miss because they're very, very subtle because we're not in tune with our intuition. And if, if you miss these small whispers, these subtle signals, they start to get louder and louder and they change until it's tapping you on the shoulder to say, hey, listen, you better listen to me. And I've even had people I've interviewed have gotten into car crashes or at that point they're about to take their own lives or it, it gets that severe or just pounding migraines. Uh, but it all started with a whisper and they, they're able to track back to that first decision that they missed, uh, which actually morphed into like migraine headaches or something. Yeah. So, uh, and, and then for me, so these negative signals are, you know, sort of the, 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 the hairs on my, my back, then uh, the neck st standing up a bit. Um, you know, I do get that gut feeling, which is negative or resistance. Uh, and I had this one CEO that I was, uh, he was an entrepreneur I was interviewing and he didn't know what his signals were. He says, Sunil, I'm not sure. Like I've never, nobody's ever asked me that. But every time we talked about the ventures that he got into for the wrong reasons, either for the money or it was a waste of time. As he's telling the story, he kept grabbing his ear, left earlobe. Mm. And about 10 minutes later, he just says, Sunil, I just realized one of my negative signals is a le my left earlobe getting hot. And he re now recognizes that when he went into those ventures, he couldn't figure out why, why his left earlobe was getting hot all the time. And he's thinking, I should got to go to the doctor. And now he also remembers when he's talking to his wife that about those ventures, his left earlobe gets hot. So that's how specific these things can get. And so... And this is where we have to, uh, to when we have these signals, the way that I look at uh, how intuition uh, really operates, it's like driving a car. Okay. So uh, when you drive a car, you turn it on, and then you hear the engine whir, and those are the signals that are telling you uh, whether the engine's good or bad, and then you just drive. You don't necessarily need to pop open the hood to figure out how complex is it. Uh, now, I'm the nerd that, that decided to do that. And so I popped the hood on this thing called intuition and I wanted to really figure out, okay, what it actually is it? And it turns out that there's actually four types of intuition that work all at the same time in a split second. And then they communicate to you through these positive and negative signals to tell you what the right decision is. And the best way I can characterize this is with a case study from a non-believer. So one of my friends, uh, this is at the early days of intuitionology. He, uh, I, I uh, now this is an investment banker. So when I'm telling, asking him about intuition, he's like, Sunil, intuition, like, what are you talking about? Because remember, at the time, it was voices from God, uh, manifestation, meditation. And so to somebody who's, who's deep in data and experience and spreadsheets, that's a definition that he's not going to embrace.
So yeah. he says, I don't know what we're going to talk about here, but come on down. We'll talk about intuition for about five minutes, I think. And then let's just catch up for the rest of the hour. So I go down, I flip the camera on and I tell him about the CEO that sees omens. And he says, I really wish I'd like to shake his hand. Uh, and he sits, he sits back in his chair and says, Sunil, like intuition's not like, I, I mean, business decision or decisions in life are kind of based on experience and learning. And I said, well, John, his name is John Rothschild. One of the four types, and now we're going to start getting to four types of intuition. One of the four types is called experiential intuition. And what experiential intuition does is that when you're born, remember your neurons are firing, getting all these experiences around you and soaking them up in the subconscious area of your brain. So if you look at your brain like an iceberg, 90% yeah. is below water, 10% is above water. So these experiences are coming in both learning uh, from college or university or just taking a course or informal street smarts, your experience in jobs or running businesses, go both good and bad, uh, and your experiences and others consistently putting all these experiences in. So when your intuition is giving you a signal of what to do, it's already telling you that you have the raw skills to actually move in that direction. Okay. And so, and in some cases, experience, your, 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 exper your experiential intuition will have you go against the data. And John says, well, actually, I have a, an example of that. And I said, well, tell me about that. And so this is, so John was in the business of putting franchise locations. So typically when you put a, a McDonald's or a Wendy's or one of these franchise locations, in John's case, they, his company used a benchmarking system. So basically in nine out of 10, when they looked at traffic patterns, uh, demographics and development in that area, a nine out of 10 means a, a franchise location can go. And now we're going to get into the second of the four called situational intuition. And this is where they go to a dilapidated area of Toronto where it was just run down. They wanted to put this, this franchise location that was a five and a half out of 10, not even close. And he goes there with his partner and he goes, this, you know what? I feel, I feel like we should be putting the franchise here. And they did. And the team was upset, of course. But that franchise location, that franchise brand called the Beer Market, ended up being one of the most profitable under his whole portfolio of franchise operations, wow. uh, all because of situational intuition. And now he's also now starting to use the language of perhaps it was intuition. I'm not sure. Perhaps. So now he's, this is half an hour in, he's kind of getting it. We start talking about more about hire, using intuition to hire team members, to hire partners, and some of the decisions that he made. Uh, and then um, his purpose changed. And this is where it's really, really important for people to understand. As, a, as an investment banker, he, wanted, he was always on the sidelines, not running a business, but watching and, and investing in business. There came a point, he had an intuitive moment, as I call it, that he said, I, need, I want to be a coach. This is, I'm quoting from him. I want to be running a business. And so his purpose completely changed. And so now we're going to get into the third of the four called relational intuition. Relational intuition filters those relationships to get you to pay attention to only those people that really support your purpose in life. So all the people in his life that were concerned about money, security, fame, high-end restaurants, private jets, limousines, three to $4 million a year, all what John was involved in before said he's nuts. But not one of them asked him, why do you want to do this? 
right? And the one person that believed in his purpose was his wife. And so his relational intu intuition stripped everybody's uh, voices aside. And he turns to his wife, and I'm quoting him now. He says, looks us straighter in the eyes and says, this just feels right. There's your intuitive signal. Yep. From a non-believer to now talking an intuitive signal. And now he's embracing intuition. He says, intuition led me to do this decision. And so now you would think that if he's going to run a business, his intuition would pick a business with strong revenues, fantastic cash flows, and a healthy balance sheet. Not his intuition. He, his intuition picked a tiny, bankrupt little restaurant. <laughs> and the only person that believed him was his wife. And now we're getting into the fourth, which is called creative intuition. Creative intuition uses all the other three and actually makes the decision for you. So if you have a decision that's mundane, like what am I going to eat? I'm going to turn left here. Your creative intuition is low. But when you make a, a, a decision that goes against what a lot of people are thinking and they think you're nuts, mm -hmm. your creative intuition is high. So everybody thought he was nuts except for his wife. But he made the decision. He quit his 3 to $4 million a year job, walked into that tiny bankrupt little restaurant. That restaurant ended up being Eastside Mario's location number one. Okay. And that he turned that into over a thousand locations. And in the 20 years before he retired, he that was $2 billion wow. in revenues, all because it felt right. Felt right. <laughs> That's the power amazing. of intuition. That's amazing. I, I want to expand on the relational one. Yep. Because I feel that a lot of people get their wings clipped right there. Yep. Where they'll feel something. And then they let the outside forces kind of take it away from them. So I see that you that you created a seven step process. Like I have one yeah. too. I don't know if there's some magic in the number seven, but there's a lot of seven step processes out there. Yep. But the fourth step in mine is assessing your support system. Actually, it's the fifth step. It's assessing your support system, and I, I get pretty I get pretty stern with it because yeah. like I dealt with it with it myself. When I was first making the jump from managing managing restaurants to going into the fitness business, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, because again, everyone's like, "How are you going to do it without a degree? You don't really have savings, you know. How are you going to get a loan? Like, and just all these other questions." And I was like, "Listen, I found something I'm good at, and I like it. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not stressed out doing it." I said, "I'm going to figure it out." And same thing, people are like you got to think about the kids, you got to think about this and that, and. I was like, nope. Said, listen, I have a group of people right now that believe in what I'm doing. Yep. And that's all it. That's all it takes. It's like if you guys can't support that, then we just don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, plain and yeah. simple. I was like, I love you to death, but when I'm doing this, back off. Yeah. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Off. And then it was able to come come to fruition. Had I given in, I'd still be managing re restaurants and miserable. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and so you're alluding to my seven day challenge. And so in the seven day challenge, which is free, by the way, and anybody got to go to, uh, to intuitionology.com or actually Robert, I'll give you a, a link just for your, uh, for your listeners uh, and those watching. Uh, but in the seven day challenge, one of the, the, and it's a very specific step that I have people go through. And the first step is obviously you, this is where you, you identify a problem that you want to solve that you've tried in the past and hasn't worked. Uh, and then the first step you do is you identify that problem. And then what does solving this problem mean to you? Like what, what do you shed? What are you going to gain? Why is it so important for you? And list as many of those important things as you can. 
once you've got that, I actually measure your intuition from a percentage perspective at the start of the seven day challenge before you even go in. And so you get a percentage baseline of where your intuition is from a strength perspective. Then the first, the next thing I get you to do is look at what didn't work in the past. This is very important. You spend time uh, making sure that you identify what didn't work in the past and what did it feel like when it didn't. And these are now you're identifying those negative signals. And what you have to do with those negative signals is you have to spend quite a bit of time thinking, was that the third decision? Was that the second decision or was that the first one? Because remember those subtle signals. Yeah. And the, the thing is like you and I can have a voice. Let's say well, it's a voice. And for you, that could be signal number one for any negative thing, which is perfect. But for me, let's say that's signal number three and I'm good to go. So if if I've, if this is signal number three for me, what happens is I've missed two signals. If I've missed two signals, I've made two bad decisions. Yeah. So those two bad decisions could result in maybe just stubbing my toe on a wall or it could be headed towards bankruptcy. I don't know. And so this is very important, figuring out what your negative signals are first. Then what you do is you put yourself in an environment where you can think clearly, cut out the noise, and then listen to the positive signals. And what you do is you start to say, okay, how am I gonna solve this problem? These are the steps that I think that are gonna work. If it's the right step, it's gonna feel like you're a positive signal, a flow, the dots connecting just feels right. Yeah. Uh, and now that you've done your work on the negative signals, if you put a step there, that's not the right one. There's a negative signal that's gonna come and say, ah, ah, I, you thought, I, that's not the right step. So now you know that in the plan of solving this problem, you take that step out because that if you don't, you've wasted time. You're going down, you're already making a bad decision. And so your initial negative intuitive signals are telling you, don't do that. Yeah. And so once you've got the positive signals, so now you've got your inventory signals, the very next step, and we're talking about, uh, about relational intuition, is who's gonna solve that problem for you. And what's important in this case specifically is you've identified a problem, who's gonna solve this problem for you? So it could be someone in your inner circle, it could be somebody way off, which is a mentor. The the thing that you, and I, and I warn people in the 70 challenge, the one thing that you have to not do is force somebody in there from an emotional perspective. So maybe you want your best friend in there because he or she's your best friend, or maybe you want to, it, you, it feels cool to tell people you're in a seven day challenge. And so you ask someone at that for their, for their advice, because so you can tell them that you're in a seven day challenge and it makes you, it strokes your ego. You get a dopamine. Yeah. That's the wrong reason for doing this. Your intuition has, you have to use your intuition to fill. And this is where your signals come in. If you ask somebody, you think about someone that's going to solve this problem and it's not the right person, that negative signal is going to come up. Listen, that's an ego hit. That person, that's not going to solve your problem here. And so once you've got the, the right people in place, do you need to change an environment? Do you have to shift your environment in any way to make sure that this thing happens? And the last thing is action. And then I measure your intuitive strength at the end of the 70 challenge. And I've had 54,000 people now through the challenge. 100% of the time, there's been an increase in their intuitive strength in just seven days. And the other thing I have is that I've got two people as that serve as case studies who go through each of these tasks with you to get to what they did. One of them is John Harris, who actually sold his house using the seven day challenge. The very, very first day, uh, he was about to say yes to someone who, who threw her real estate card in his face and was saying, ah, $20,000 under, that's all you're gonna get. I know the market, et cetera. 
So before the seven day challenge, he would have been badgered into saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, he would get scared. And that was the tactic of this real estate agent. But over the seven days, he knew to trust his intuition. And at the very seventh day, he actually sold his house for $50,000 over uh, asking on a bidding war. That's a $70,000 decision. $10,000 today is not that bad. Uh, and the other person um, who's a huge fan of what I'm doing is Ashley Michelle. Ashley Michelle was actually a witness to a homicide. Mm. Uh, and it, it's, it's even worse than that. Her boyfriend had killed one of their best friends. She happened to walk into the apartment. He closes the door behind her, locks it, puts a knife to her back and says, you're next. Oh, my God. And she says her, her relational intuition, her intuition calms her down and watches him to keep him caught. If she, if, if she got an emotional, she would be dead. Yeah. And so she watches him. Uh, she gets assaulted, choked, blood vessels popping. He asks her to cl uh, clean the blood. She refuses. Uh, and then her intuition gives her that one moment to escape. And she, she picks that moment, runs, unlocks the door, runs 18 flights down, uh, stairs out of the apartment, 911, uh, and she's obviously alive. Yeah. And she suffered a lot of PTSD, depression, uh, and anxiety. So she used the seven-day challenge to minimize. It's not going to get rid of it. Yeah. But what she learned in the seven-day process is that she, the best thing for her is to go back to the gym to really kind of let her emotions settle. And she also learned how to start trusting people just a little bit more. Uh, and then after the seven days, I mean, it's just, it, it just, it was so much more light at the end of the tunnel for her life because she constantly lived in fear and anxiety and looking uh, around her back. And finally, this is this, there's a way that for her to really kind of tap into her intuition to actually find a little bit more life in her, in, in, in her, a little bit more light in her life to trust, start trusting people a little bit more and to react if there's something bad, but react quicker. Yeah. For her, it was amazing. So these two people go through the seven-day challenge. And so what I tell people is if these two people can go through the seven-day challenge to solve their issues, you can absolutely solve whatever you can, whatever problem you have in those seven days. So what, what do you say to the naysayers? Because there are people say, yeah, you know, I followed my intuition and it just didn't work. You know, like I don't, yep. I don't believe in this. Okay. Yeah. So and so the, and now we're getting into what we call four. There's four intuitive hurdles that really affect us. Yeah. Uh, and I'll go through them very quickly. Um, and because one is being way too emotional. And so specifically in relationships, we get very, very emotionally attached. Intuition's already given somebody else a second chance. Now we're talking about the third, fourth, fifth chance. So you get way too emotional. Uh, then the other thing is you get too rational. So fo me following engineering, you know, societal norms, we're too rational about it yeah. when our intuition is telling us to go the other way. Um, the, the third one is called ego. And ego is there's two sides to ego. There's the narcissism. And the other one is following the herd. So this is where you actually bring people in because maybe they, they're wearing certain brands or they're cool or they, mm -hmm. they, they know someone famous or whatever the case is. You already know that you've got someone that has their values that are so far away from yours, but you still want to associate with them. And so that's, that's being the ego. And the last one, which is the big one, is fear. And so the thing with fear, there's the fear of failure, fear of change, fear of the unknown. And what you have to remember is that when you hit the amygdala, right, it's fight or flight, right? It's if it's fight it, it, or, or flight, it just means that you've got a saber tooth tiger coming. The other one is fight. You've got to fight through that fear. And the thing you have to realize is when intuition gives you a signal to say, even though you're fearful, that that's the decision you have to make. Yeah. It's already gone back to your experience and said, you've got that raw talent. You've been through this before. I don't know what you're scared of. Because I'm telling you, you've done it before. So you just need to walk through that fear. 
And a great example I have is there's a fellow named David Dame who has cerebral palsy in his wheelchair all his life. And his dream was to just put the sand in his toes on a beach. So he goes on vacation and he finally has this dream, which is about to turn into reality. And so his friends wheel his wheelchair onto the edge where the sand meets the water. He stands up and he falls flat on his face. And now he's embarrassed. There's that fear that comes up. And he says, at that moment, Sunil had two choices to make. The first choice is to succumb to that fear and sit back in my chair. Alan, what's wrong with you? Yep. <laughs> you have to charge what you're worth. Just walking in the water. Or I can battle that fear and take a step and take another step and take another step. And that's exactly what he did. And he points to his chin. He says, the water gets to about up here. Specimen. You know, like I went down to Eric Thomas's speaker boot camp down in Atlanta. Oh, I love Eric Thomas. Oh, yeah. He's he's a cool, cool dude. And, you know, I spent $3,000 for that weekend. And I could not afford it at all. I had to, like, scra scrape in, scrape up every bit of penny I could to get down there. But they completely changed the way I interact with people and how I connect with people, how I sell things, how I train people. Like, completely changed it. So, like, in the grand scheme, 3000 was a tiny amount to pay because I'm going to have this skill till I die. Well, and you didn't, you didn't pay that you invested. Yes. You know, you invested and that's what coaches are. That's what, and what kind of coach you are. And that's what kind of coach I am. You invest in something for us to teach you so you can go and implement it into your business and then create that six and seven figure income. Yes. It's like, we teach you to fish. Yeah. You yeah. have, to. you have to, but you have to also be invested. And yes. it's like, you know, I mean, there's plenty of times I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. <laughs> I did. And, yep. and, and it came back tenfold. Yep, absolutely. So when COVID hit, I think I shared this with you when I was on your show. So, so when COVID and everything got shut down, I, I joined two masterminds. Mm -hmm. And I like when, when I bought the first one, I committed to the second one and I didn't have all the funds because, <laughs> because again, the gym just abruptly shut. So, so many people were like, pause my membership, pause my membership. I'm like, uh, when you do that and you just kind of jump, the money comes. Yeah. The money shows up somehow, some way, some whatever. It yep. shows up for you to, for you to invest in that, but you have to take that leap. You have to take that jump. It's so, so true. In yourself. And if you didn't do that, you wouldn't be here who you are today. You yeah. wouldn't have this shut up and grind podcast. You wouldn't have this amazing membership program that you do. You wouldn't be the person you are today talking on stages and doing all these things if you didn't invest and you didn't jump way back in the day. Yeah, but that's the thing about jumping. Like my sister, my sister is a speaker as as well. I tell her she she's the second best speaker in the family. And <laughs> the first? me. <laughs> you had to ask that <laughs> you know, but like she's she's an author also and you know she's working down at the ymca and i keep and, and i keep telling her i'm like like why don't you take the speaking bigger like this there's such opportunities out there now her husband's a type one diabetic and and i get that they have to pay for insulin and all that and the, the insurance covers the insulin but i told her i said um if you turn this into like a million dollar thing like you can buy insulin <laughs> and there's so many things that you can do, you know, charge a $37 a month membership, you know, sell, write a book, yeah. you know, there's so many things that you can do to yeah. bring in that money. And you don't want to stick with that one source of income. You want to get, 
you know, that residual money from a network marketing company or any something like that. You want to get that monthly membership money. You want to get those royalties like off of a book, you know, or create your own merchandise. You know, you want to have all your, your eggs all in a couple of different baskets. And then that way you can take it and say, okay, so just in case this one basket stop or this one egg stops giving you money, you still have all this other stuff. Yes, exactly. And and my daughter is upstairs right right now creating an, an Amazon store. We signed her we signed her up to be an Amazon affiliate. And and um just getting and I, I just did the same thing about two months ago because so many people are like, Oh my god, I love your this, I love this, I love your shirt, yeah. I love your earrings. And I was like, yo, I need to get an affiliate account. So I have my assistant doing me an Amazon store now with everything I have. They're like, oh, what kind of light do you use? What kind of diva things do you use? What's what's your phone? What's your keyboard? Yes, exactly. I'm like, okay, there you go. Here's my link. Yeah, because the thing is, it's like people don't want to do do the guesswork. It's like, you know, what do you have? This is what I use. Oh, cool. It's like people want that quick, quick and easy. And and then, then again, you get the people with you know, the limited mind, the limited beliefs with like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be hounding people. And ha-. like, they're going to buy it anyway. Like, why are you going to send somebody to another store to pay a total stranger when they can pay you? Right. <laughs> it's you like, that you just got a 60 inch TV at Walmart for 468. Yes. <laughs> tell somebody that, Hey, Tina Torres has this thing that she has for $47 a month. You can join. And you know, if you join that, then I get like $10. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's called affiliate marketing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's like it's it's it gets so stigmatized where people are like, oh, they're just they're just trying to get paid. I'm like, dude, do you go to work? Are are you just trying to get paid or are you gonna I, go to work for free? Yeah, it's like you go to work, right? Yeah, you go, you expect a paycheck at the end. So why can't I offer you something that clearly works that I clearly use? Like if, if you want a podcast mic, yes, I recommend this one. Exactly. <laughs> you know. a link that you can grab your exact one that I have. Ten <laughs> percent. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, and and like I say all the time, like people don't realize if you have one of these, you have the world at your fingertips. Instead, instead of scrolling funny videos and reruns of shows you've seen a thousand times, it's like learn how to make money with it. Everything. Everything. Yes. Yes. Whatever it is that you know how to do, you're an expert in something. You have to find out what what that thing is that you're an expert in and monetize it. Yes. And mine, you know, and mine, it it was at the tip of my tongue this whole time. I spent all those years managing restaurants, having this this talent, this superpower that I didn't even know it was a superpower. I had no idea, you know, until you step out of it. And then you start going to mastermind events because, like, I used to, like, frown on on networking, but it's always just a bunch of rich people rubbing elbows, trying to make each other richer, you know, <laughs> till you actually go. And it's like, oh, like that's like, th- this is possible. Oh, this is possible. It's like, crap, I, I can do that. That you can do is put on social media. Hey guys, I'm doing something in my life and I want you to tell me three things that you think is my superpower. Mm, I like that. Other people will tell you what your superpower is and you'll be like, oh, it's it's true. I did I did something similar when when I had to close my gym in uh, the other location. I had I had posted for everyone to just post a, their favorite, their best memories of that facility, and the things that people were saying. I was like, oh my lord! It's it's like because to me, it's just every day. Like exactly. this is just what I do every day, and exactly. just people like you gave me confidence. You 
you know, you you've inspired me. You this and just reading down that list, it's like holy crap! Like this is a lot bigger than I thought it was. Like right? from an impact perspective, I, I made a big impact. Like with me, with the other day when I went to go speak, you know, I didn't think I was like ah. Uh. And then everybody started coming after me. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> but, you know, so that's something that you know I always tell my clients is go out there and ask those people. What is my superpower? What is one thing that when you think about Tina Torres, that's one thing that you always think about? And what's the one word that you think about when you hear Tina Torres? Yeah. Gratitude. Every single time. Love Gratitude. it. Or they see pink and white and they're like, oh, that's Tina. <laughs> because I know that's my brand. You know, that they know that anything on social media that's all pink and white. Oh, is that Tina? Oh, it's got to be Tina. Oh, it's not Tina? Wow, that that's a Tina Torres, Mark. Yep, and mine is red and black. Right? <laughs> Those are my colors, red and black. <laughs> it's, it's your it's your um your calling card. And anytime anybody says anything about gratitude, they immediately in the back of their head, Tina Torres. Yep. Because that's what I preach. That's what I am. I'm the gratitude specialist. You know, with Robert, what's one thing that you think about when you hear Robert's name? What is so, one thing that you think about? So, so if, if I was to answer that for them, they would say you, you never quit. Like the, the people, the people closest to me, that's, that's what they would That's why your podcast is what it's named for. Yeah, this way, yeah. <laughs> yep. Because that is what you do. Mm -hmm. so, so put it out there. If you don't know what your superpower is, put it out there on social media. Ask them. They will tell you your superpower is this. Your superpower is it, and then take that common denominator and go and grow and make profit off of it. Yep, love it. Like I had shoulder surgery. This was the day before Thanksgiving in 2015, and I I didn't even have it have the surgery. I didn't get cut. I didn't know what it felt like, and I booked a Spartan Beast for the end of April. And so I'm I'm talking with the surgeon, and I was like, "So what's the recovery looking like? Because I have a race the end of April." Yeah. <laughs> And, he, yeah. and, and he's like, well, the average person, I, said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to hear about the average person because I, I ain't average. <laughs> like, I am not that average person. I was like, so he says, you know, you know, it, it's it's possible you could be, be right. I say if it's possible me, means I can because, you know, doctors can't speak in, in absolutes out of fear of malpractice. Exactly. So, like if you said possibly I can do this. And let me tell you, shoulder surgery is not no joke. I haven't, I didn't have surgery, but when I tore my, my rotator cuff, that was the worst pain in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a tough one. I'd say the first, the first couple weeks, it was tough sleeping and stuff, but it's so funny because about three weeks prior, I started doing everything left-handed. So I didn't miss a beat. I was writing and doing everything. I was like, uh, my daughter and I loved, like she she loved to play catch with the football. So I was practicing, throwing it left-handed. And, and, and I, I had it down to be in the, in the gym running routes. I'm like, all right, go break. <laughs> and, you know, and you just make it work. Again, it's just, that's the epitome of just shut up and grind. Exactly. You, know, like you can sit there and wallow, wallow about the struggles or you can turn the struggles into a triumphant story. You, you can do whatever it is you want to do, but if it's how you react, it's what's going to happen. Yep. How you, you react and the action you take. Right. Yep. You can either sit there in your, in your depression for years and years and years, or you can take it. You can sit in it for a little bit. You have to feel it. Yes, you do. And then you got to get up yes. and you can do something about it. 
That's and the you key. can still heal through the process. Yep. That's the key. You got to get up. You have so, to. so let's talk about your book. So Beyond Gratitude, it is a number one bestseller, attract, uh, strategies to attract, connect, and convert more prospects. It is everything you need to know to build relationships online and offline, to create those relationships with those clients, both past and present, how to build those um, referral systems, even if they don't buy from you. So it's everything you need to know. This is my course that I wrote last year and that I launched, Connection to Client, and I wrote it into a book. And my first chapter in there, The Black Sheep, is, is my story. And it's how I got through one of the most challenging, darkest times in my life. And I was able to turn it around. And just and give, give a quick recap. Oh, well, I did. I did. I told you I lost everything. <laughs> I lost everything. I took it, you know, got my gratitude journal and got my Bible and I turned it around. Um, that was my my black sheep moment, you know, that dark moment where you you just want to give up. I, I was at that point. I wanted to give up and I, I didn't. I knew that there was something more out there. I knew that something somewhere, someone needed to hear my story in order to change their life. And um, I I wrote one book in March. I wrote another book in December and I already have my third book um, started already again. And that is my whole entire thing, my, my whole story. And it's called Be a Glow Stick. And it's, you know, story of an army wife behind closed doors. And that's the story and the struggle that I had to go through for 20 years and the different kind of things that, you know, you go through being in a, in a bad marriage, you know, um, because so many people are, they, they have the same story, you know, like you and I, we talk all the time and <clears throat> we, we talk mostly at four or five o'clock in the morning because that's <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's those kind of things that you go, oh, you know what? This is what happened to me. And this is what happened to me. And you start, you know, sharing stories and you start realizing that there's more people out there who need what you have to do. So you can gra- grab your book. It's only $5 on Amazon. Go to beyondgratitudebook.com. You can grab your, your copy for $5. Grab one, grab five. Give them to people. Give them out. But it's beyondgratitudebook.com. You can grab your book today. Love it. There we go. Beyond gratitude. I'm going to put that down in the comments section too. Let me uh, just copy it real quick and put it back up there. Show. All right. All right. So good. Good. Yeah. So you said that you wanted to give up. Mm. And I feel like so many people do give up before the magic happens. Like I'm sure you've seen that that meme with the minor right and the, and the gold's right there right there just a couple more hits yep couple more hits but he was he was tired he was exhausted and he gave up right before he hit the magic and it's always, it's always that you know you always give up you know like they always say you know in like network marketing you know it takes two to five years to build your your wealth but it took you 20 years to build your wealth in, in a regular job. You're not going to give it tw- two to five years in this kind of job. Exactly. You know, it's, it's just the, the mind. It's the mindset. It is the mindset to keep on going no matter what. And it is always right when you want to give up. You hit that one more hit. 
and yeah. you're there. That one more call and you're there. That one more person to you know get on the, a coaching call and you're there. You never know what that one person, that one thing, that one call or whatever it is, is going to do to change your life. Yes. And I met you because I was invited to a networking event and, and I almost didn't go because it was at 7 p.m. Oh it would have been horrible without meeting me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but it's like it, it was 7 p.m. For, for me, that's like midnight. So like 7 p.m. And oh my god, that means even, like we're gonna get up in the morning. Yeah. So even as the time was ticking, I almost te texted her. I was like, you know what? I know I said I was gonna come, but I'm not gonna come. But then I was like, you know what? I told her I was gonna come. Let me show up. And like I said, I mean, it was like three. I think three levels deep to where I got to you. But it's like I met one person who well, I met someone else, and I met someone else, and then they connected me with you. So, so it's like, it's just amazing how that works. And had I not, I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have met the, the clients you booked on my show. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's just absolutely amazing what happens when you keep going. You know, it's all building relationships. Yes. You never know, you know, that person may not have bought from you, but she might know five other people who may buy from you. Yeah. So you exactly. still need to build that relationship, just like with you. You know, you didn't want to go to that networking group. You probably didn't get nothing out of that networking group. However, you got this person, which met, led you to this person, which led you to me. And then now your whole life has changed because you met Tina Torres, baby. Kind of specialist. Love it. All right, give us give give us the final word. All right. So the one thing I want you guys to all know is to always keep on going, no matter where you are in life, to keep on going. To implement gratitude into your life. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. You don't have to buy my journal. You can get whatever journal you want to. But implement gratitude five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. You have the same 24 hours that everybody does. Gratitude is free. Writing it is in it is free. So you need to start today. So take the 90-day gratitude challenge today. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. Tell me how it feels. Tell me how it feels with you in 90 days. I guarantee your life will change forever. So always have an attitude of gratitude. If you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me on every social media platform, the Gratitude Specialist, or you can text the word connection to 26786, or you can go grab my book at beyondgratitudebook.com. Love it. Thank you very much. I knew this was going to be a fun show. That hour flew by. Right? <laughs> flew I, didn't right my, my, I didn't even get to say my Jersey accent. Tell you how much I'm drinking my coffee. <laughs> you, you just did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for joining us. Don't, don't sign off yet, though. No, I won't. All right. Thank you. That was Tina joining us, dropping some knowledge. And so one other thing she said at the end that I want to double down on is that she knew someone needed to hear her story. And that's something that I can't stress enough for people who think that they don't have a story to tell. Yes, you do. I promise you, you do. There is something in your mind that we can put it out into a, and turn it into a powerful message that other people need to hear. And then that's going to free you if you're holding in something that may, maybe is hurting you. That's going to free you. It's going to allow you to talk about it. But more importantly, it's going to allow you to impact other people with that story. So if you need help with that, reach out. 
right? Get her beyond gratitude. She said it's five dollars. Come on now, you guys spend more more than that on the one of those tall things at Starbucks. I don't drink coffee, so I don't know what it's called. All right, but it's five five bucks. So just get the book. Ninety day challenge. Most people plan for vacations longer than that. People plan weddings for a year. This is ninety days. You can change your life, man. Take the challenge. So this is Rob signing off, and cue the outro. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.